This podcast was first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South community access radio station. For more information on Fresh FM, as well as links to other great local podcasts, go on our website freshfm.net or download the accessmedia.nz app. Welcome to another Drive Alive show here on Fresh FM. We are broadcasting from the Founders Park Studios on this lovely uh, spring evening. Hope you've had a good day out there. So, we are the show that likes to talk about motoring. And thank you to NPD Fuels for sponsoring us in that. You can fill up at one of their many petrol stations around the region. Especially if you like 100 plus octane fuel. I think they're the only ones that do it, but anyway, well worth trying out. So thank you to them. As you know, every fortnight we chat with some special guests, people around the region who are involved in the transport industry. And tonight is no exception, as we have someone who, along with uh, members of their family, has been involved in the transport industry on the top of the south for a huge amount of time, I believe. We'll find out more about that. So uh, thank you and welcome to Tony Bowater. Thank you for coming along, Tony. Thank you, Stephen. It's great to be here. That's good to have you, and thank you for making the time. So you're, you'll be quite a well-known figure in Nelson, I suspect, with, with I, your car dealerships. I think, I think the family's pretty well-known in the motor industry. I mean, started in 1945 with my grandfather, um, so I'm the third generation in the family business. And, uh, yeah, hopefully here for many more generations. Right, so three, three generations, that's, that's quite significant going yeah, back over that yeah. length of time. Well, last year we celebrated, well, we tried to celebrate our 75th anniversary. This year we tried to celebrate our 75th plus one anniversary, oh, yes. and, and uh, neither of them were successful, sadly, but uh, we're now aiming for the 80th, so uh, right. we'll, uh, we'll bank that one. And, uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of things have happened. A lot of uh, water has gone under the bridges, the expression says, yeah. and, and a lot of things have changed in, the, in such a short time in the motor industry. Yeah. So we'll talk, we'll talk some more about that, but I guess I'm interested to see how did your grandfather get in, because the world must have been very different in... Back well, in 1944. Yeah, well, as you imagine, there was one significant event that was pretty much as significant, if not more significant, than what we're going through with the COVID side of things in World War Two, finishing in 1945. And uh, my grandfather and his very close friend, Bill Clifford, served... Um, in World War Two, in the Air Force for the New Zealand Royal New Zealand Air Force, and uh, they actually were in Guadalcanal, and uh, he oh, was right. an aircraft engineer, uh-huh. and I believe um, Bill Clifford was an electrical engineer um, for the Air Force at the time, and I can only imagine because I aren't privy to the discussions and that, but I can only imagine they were travelling back from their time serving in the war thinking what are we going to do um we're good with our hands we know our business we know those sort of things and uh, so what are we going to do and and uh, came back i believe he uh, did his apprenticeship my grandfather with montgomery's at the time um, okay. which were a well-known um 
mechanical uh, service station um, back in those days right. and uh, and then decided to go out on his own and set up a, a business, um, Bowwater Clifford uh, Automotive and Electrical in 1945. In fact, right. we know it was that date because there was a little bit of confusion for quite a number of years, but we uh, were thankfully given by a very uh, kind gentleman uh, one day fronted into the showroom with a newspaper clipping which was attached to a wallpaper so I can only imagine (laughs) it was probably on a wall somewhere at some stage and and happened to be there and they noticed that it was the notice or the public notice of the starting of Bowater Clifford uh, back in the 28th of September 1945 so that that was awesome because it means that we really have a defining time um, and progress from there so uh, the yeah. last, the last uh, 75 years, we've been a- able to follow through and, and see that progression and grow to, at, at one point, the company had um, 16 franchises okay. um, and, and uh, six branches across the Nelson-Tasman region. We actually even branched out with a used vehicle dealership at one point into right. Christchurch for a short period of time. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the multi-franchise era... Um, the uh, multi dealerships and and all the rest of it changed with the with the changing of or or the rationalisation of the company in the late eighties and early nineties right. into um, sole ownership of Bowwaters where the where the Bowwater and Clifford families separated and, okay. and went their own ways and and the company has stayed on its course through there and now has fourth generation family members in there. Um, and right. looking forward and preparing for the fifth and sixth generations to come along. So six, 16 franchises, you mean 16 different car yes. brands? Yes, that's right. At yep. one time? Yes, yeah, yeah. Flipping out, that must have been most of them in New Zealand, must I think. It? I think it, it was just about. You know, it's almost like you get them out of the Weekbooks packet. There was that many of them. Right. I mean, we had Standard and Triumph, which is what we cut our teeth on. And right. then, then through the 50s, you had the American brands like Studebaker and all of the Oldsmobiles okay. and those vehicles that we were servicing and selling through and then picked up agencies for MG and any Austin, um, Morris, Oxford, wow. Um, and then uh, on to we had the British Leyland side of the the equation had yep, Honda had Datsun before it became Nissan so we were right there with Datsun at the time that it turned right. into Nissan we had Leyland trucks and we were actually assembling buses and trucks uh, in our workshop. For the Newman's group from time to time. Oh, yeah, because there's some of the coaches just here in Founders Park. That's right, yeah, yeah. So for a while we were doing a lot of that sort of assembly work as well. Um, And uh, we had the truck sales right across that my father... Rodney um, was involved in travelling the top of the south down to Greymouth and the west coast selling trucks and bits and pieces and so yeah really quite well established but the family really founded the business on the sports field and and in the community because all of the brothers um, Hanley, Daryl Rodney Stewart were all very good sports people as well as my auntie Julie and very keen in sports and in the community and very very involved and and actually represented Nelson in in all of their chosen fields be it um, cricket or rugby which were the the main areas so I I certainly see that our community involvement 
that we've seen and progressed has really um, started in those eras. So yeah, yeah. and that that must help the whole um, uh, the business and sort of getting known for what you do and yeah yeah I think I mean it's it the motor industry's a a uh, it gets into your blood it's <laughs> it's infectious uh, motor cars are an amazing um thing more to a lot of people than just mobility um yeah. to a lot of people they are just purely mobility um and if if i think back to a, a lot of the times that we've progressed and and seeing how the the um industry has changed uh, i i reflect on a conference that i was at and and the people that were hosting it actually showed an example of uh, new york city in 1903 Right, and there was a picture of New York City in 1903, and there were horse and carts horse everywhere. And carts, that's right. And then the next picture they showed was a picture in 1913, and you couldn't see a horse and cart. Wow. So, ten and years time. and it was within ten years back in the early 1900s that that was in effect, and and so you would be absolutely remiss to think that the industry that we've got isn't geared for or able to change dramatically because back in 1903 if you were a man or a woman in New York City and you were to say give it 10 years you won't see a horse on these streets you would probably have been laughed at and and so we are now paused with a generation or poised in the generation of people that are sitting there and seeing the electrification mm-hmm. of our industry. But that's only the surface of what actually we are about to embark on. And anybody that thinks, ah, you're, you're dreaming it's not going to happen, they need to wake up real fast. Yeah, you could just take that example from 100 yeah, years ago. Yeah, a bit absolutely. More than that and how fast things have changed. Yeah, we've, I mean, over the years, we've, I've been in a in a great position to to see it right because i grew up in the industry as you can imagine being a third generation uh i, I showed you the picture earlier and you yep. took a liking to the triumph stag yes well, we had, i'll have one of those please. we had port races down in the harbour many years ago and i can remember my father had a bright yellow triumph stag mm. and we were there with the hard top off sitting on the roll bar watching the boat races in the <laughs> harbour and that's pretty cool that is cool eh? very cool that and, is cool and then you go through all those other cars like the jags and the renos and mm. the alphas and and things like that 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 we had as our agency in fact oh, i was sell alphas yeah yeah oh, I, I have to tell my mate mark about yeah, that he's well, into his alphas as a as a groomer i uh, i was very fortunate that, that we had an alpha 33q uh, cloverleaf um sprinter Oh. In, in the in the shed that needed to have a drive and my boss at the time said because he'd been sick of taking it for a drive he said oh young fella you might as well take that for a drive but don't do anything stupid and I don't want to know uh-huh. and my eyes were just wide <laughs> open though you can imagine everything's offset everything's completely wrong oh that's right the you gor- got to have long arms position yeah you got to have long arms short legs and and yeah. uh, the driving style and but just the engine and the drive and the exhilaration that you get from it so how, much fun how could he get bored of taking an alpha for a drive oh, i don't know hey eh? it's just it's yeah I, I certainly didn't get bored of it and then later on we traded a uh, i think it was a 79 gtv6 alpha oh, yeah. yeah yeah man that was a that was a motor car 
that was real sharp, eh? And, yeah. And they really do. And that you see they're coming back again with that sort of renaissance and, and that sort of real enthusiast sports car yeah. field, which is which is really quite nice to see in a in an environment where so much is changing and going away from that. It's good to see yeah. some brands still sticking to that heritage. Yeah, because so. a lot of it is kind of run by accountants and we've got to make a this That's and right. they've got to yeah. make that shared platform and alpha sort mm. of hang on by their fingernails and then they come back again and then they go off again and yeah. yeah so we had jaguar renault um volvo all right um vw audi it's like the, yeah it's, yeah so we the, the list went on and, and panther callista which yes, is a panther callista that yeah. is a real rarity so that so they they do i mean they're like old style yeah morgan if you refer refer to it like a morgan it was uh, it was a a english crafted kit car that was made in a a factory used the ford granada engine in it manual and then and we imported them into the country and sold them as the new zealand agency for them so you were the only New yes. Zealand agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here in Nelson. So here in Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Nelson's the first in a lot of things, you know. Oh uh, well, I can't believe pretty it. top of I, the. Eh? I want. I want to hear if anybody's still got a Panther in Nelson, I or, or even the South Island anywhere. I, I think there are still a couple here in Nelson. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I'll have to keep yeah. an eye out. Yeah. I'm not no. sure I'd be able to recognise. Well, I think I would. Yep. Yeah. I think I would if I remember what they're. But no, they're yes. super rare. They they are. They're a very cool car too. I mean, you basically your your driving position, unlike today, where you you your driver basically sits in the middle of the car. Your driving position in a Panther Callista is like sitting in a Lotus Seven. You're basically over the back wheels. Oh right. And and you've got all the nose and the bonnet and the engine in front of you. Front engine, rear drive. Right. Typical conventional gearbox and, and yeah. just a lot of fun really yeah, nice car be a cool car yeah and nelson weather as well i presume they had roofs but like no soft. they were all soft tops they were all soft tops yep right. they're all soft tops that we had here so yeah okay nice and yeah they're, they're very cool so going right back to the start on the standard triumph then yep do you know why you uh, why they picked standard triumph with the I, no, special affection to or be, just go to for it? To be or? quite honest, I think it would have been just what was available just at the time at the and time, what okay. fell into their laps at the time and then okay. they got a name for themselves as being that garage and, and worked their way up from that. Is, okay. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, I suppose, how a lot of businesses started back in those days. Right, yeah, because it's at the end of the war and trying to generate the business and the... Brits were probably trying to look for export yes, markets yeah, yeah, to get yeah. their business going and stuff. And then you had that era of the overseas um, funds and that, so you couldn't buy a new car unless you had overseas funds. Oh, and that's right, yeah. yeah. So there's, uh, I mean, so many restrictions and tariffs. So New Zealand also had its own assembly factory. I mean, Nelson here was real strong with it. We had the cotton mill that actually never milled any cotton or right. never um, actually produced or or manufactured any cotton through it down in stoke that was then turned into the new zealand motor corporation's assembly plant which assembled land rovers and jaguars uh, and triumphs Um, ah so did you get some of your stock from there yes yeah right yeah yeah. and princess the austin princess was assembled down there oh yeah the wedgie one yep the wedgie one wow the one i mean 
let's face it, the British were quite advanced in their designs and bits and pieces in those days, and one would argue that they came up with some great ideas and great concepts, but never perfected it. No, the execution, no, the, the Japanese yeah. have always been better at that execution and reliability yeah. factor. And yeah. yes, Triumph PI stuff. is a classic with that, the programmed oh, yeah. injection, and it was, uh, it was always very tricky. Right, okay. But, uh, yeah, the Japanese got hold of those ideas and concepts and, and ran, and ran made, yeah. it, made it something that it, uh, that it wasn't. <laughs> In fact, one, one year I can remember a technician telling us when we, had, we also uh, were able to service the Rolls-Royce or we were um, oh, right. and, and had uh, our technician come and service a local gentleman's Rolls-Royce at the time and the, this, this one of our technicians asked him, well, how come it leaks oil? And the, the uh, Rolls-Royce so. technician was very put off by that and said, <laughs> I beg your pardon. That's 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 not an oil leak. That's controlled seepage. <laughs> it's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. Yep, uh-huh. absolutely. Wow. Did it have its own like special bay in the corner? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yes. And but in those days, our workshops could do everything. Like we were an engineering shop in those ah. days. We had lathes and all the oh, tools okay. and welders and bits and pieces. And and today, it's become much more of a diagnostic and um, just replacement part type yeah. thing rather than manufacturing things okay. whereas back in those days if you didn't have the right bolt you made the right bolt oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, we also had our parts department in Achilles Ave across the road from where our uh, Toyota service bay is now and that was full of parts and you right. could basically build motor cars out of it wow. with the stocks that you carried okay so that's quite an inventory. Yes, yeah, there. massive and and a huge part of the business. And okay. in fact, I think back in those days, the it was quite commonly known that you sold the car so that you could get the parts business. Right, yeah, especially because, if you were Leyland yeah. potentially. Well, that's right. You did valve guides at like uh, at ten thousand miles Oops. and and yeah. refurbish and. And yeah. all of those. So it, when you when you were going on a trip to somewhere like Christchurch, you'd always pack in your fan belts and your and oh, your extra yeah. water yeah, and yeah. and your tow rope and your tool kits and things like that. Even if you had what was considered a modern car at the time. Yeah. Whereas today, people have the luxury of I'm off to Christchurch and all I have to worry about is if I if I can stop and get petrol on the way. Yeah, yeah. But it's then whether you'd actually make it. That's kind right. Of thing. Wow, yeah, that yeah. shows how much the reliability hold aspect has mm. advanced. So how many um, marks are you selling at the moment then through the Bowwater Group? Okay, so the Bowwater Motor Group now represents the Toyota franchise. Yeah. Um, with the Toyota franchise, we also have the ability of servicing and representing the Lexus brand as oh, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that gives the luxury brand into that. Um, and then we have the Hyundai yeah. um, manufacturer, and in the Hyundai cluster, we also have Isuzu and Renault. And we used to have Renault many years ago. So that's that's the brands that we represent oh, okay. at the moment. Plus, we have our Mag and Turbo um, tyre and, oh, and right. wheel um, service centre, which we, we have in Vanguard Street. And then we have a, a Caltech service station in a Mot, Motweka okay. as well. So, yeah. So I can imagine... Toyota obviously picks itself from you know being one of the 
or the biggest selling uh, brand in New Zealand. But how, how do you choose between, you know, re- like Renault, for instance? Yes, yep. and yes. Well, I mean, everything has to stand on its own two feet, and we yep. represent them completely separately. So our okay. Toyota, our Toyota agency is purely and simply Toyota. Yep. So you go in there, and and the Toyota store is focused on Toyota, and that's what they represent. And we have used vehicles and the full service and parts back up in that. And our Hyundai cluster, you have Hyundai, Isuzu, and Renault in that. Now the Hyundai brand doesn't conflict with the Isuzu brand because they are more utes and and a bigger SUV with the MUX and then Renault being the addition of the French flair and all the rest of it is also a slightly different market so they really complement themselves really nicely so it's it's more about um, ensuring that we select the right vehicle for the client's needs and wants and desires so yeah so for, for you personally, do you have to yep. sort of drive one of each a month just to make sure you're not me, being me personally, biased towards one brand? Or I oversee the Toyota and Mag and Turbo oh, operations. Right, okay, so My brother, Chris, um, has the privilege of overseeing the Hyundai, Isuzu and Renault oh, okay. side, and he also oversees the Caltech side. So the business okay. is, is run completely separate yeah, but yeah. together and yeah. utilising um, blended and and bonded knowledge and, and with the... The uh, history that we've got, that we can then work together and make sure that we're complementing each other with the community okay, involvements yeah. and things like that, oh. and touching as many parts of the community as we can, nice. making sure that we're servicing and and being rewarded by a smile from our clients and guests. So oh, that's good because yeah. I mean it's a pretty competitive in it with this and how the margins change over time. And oh, absolutely, rationalisation yeah. of brands yeah. and and that's and, and that's what I mean, Stephen. That's what we really saw in the eighties when we had sixteen different franchises. Yeah, and you would have in in actually where Four Seasons is now, where their um, showroom is. Oh, that was yeah, that was done. the showroom we built. And we had most of our European brands in that. So you would walk into that showroom and you would see a Renault Fuego, you'll see a Volvo 240, you'd see a Jaguar uh, over in the corner, you'd see a Datsun and and you would see a Fiat and wow. um, and an Alpha all in that one showroom and then it got very I'd be, con- I'd be quite happy in that showroom yeah, yeah. well it, it, it was pretty cool and and when you look back on those times and they're pretty they're pretty exciting times but it, it got to the stage that you weren't doing any one thing really well right okay and okay. and you would have a person like yourself come in here and you'd probably procrastinate for two or three weeks in that show months, thinking months think. going months. around just sitting in each one thinking well what one should i take yeah, yeah, home yeah. and then and and it really did get confusing um okay. and that was part of the catalyst to going well hey look we're not really doing any one thing really well so we need to concentrate and we were fortunate that we had acquired the Toyota agency at the same time at that era when we were looking at rationalising the business so it it made a lot of sense at that time we had Honda as well so at that time we we made the choice or my father and and his peers made the choice to to divide the company and blend off and, and move away 
with from the Cliffords and move away from a lot of that European yep. and we the Bowater family took the Toyota side and the Honda side and our Shell petrol stations at that time right. and and ran with that. We then right. sort of added to that with Hyundai and Isuzu and and more recently um, unfortunately relinquished the Honda side of things. Uh, as as things change, oh, yes, after forty five years, it was a little bit painful though. But yeah, that's, it, that these things happen, and and you move on to again focus to yeah. to what is better for what you can provide and what you can see is is sustainable for your future. Yeah, that must have been one of the longest mm. serving sort of Honda dealerships. Yeah, going yeah. for that. Yeah, well, I can. I mean, one of my real real cool moments were when we had the air show in nelson in 1992 we had we managed to get a honda nsx down here for that um and we raced that with a pit special against a pit special and a um a hughes 500 which bill reed actually flew the hughes 500 helicopter and the pit special i forget who flew that uh, was a local person and then we had a uh, racing car driver Robbie Booth who came down in a Sea Fury um, aircraft which is an American um, aircraft that right. was just at the end of World War Two became quite the I think it was the fastest propeller um, plane built at the time just like the Americans do okay. and and I, I, I might be wrong on that but it was something pretty special so he flew down in this when I met him, I had the NSX that I had to take on the runway, and I I was lucky enough because I had the keys for the car, and the airport allowed us to. We had a couple of runs up and down the so airport before. You had to have a few practice drives. You needed to make sure that it was going to do what it you needed do. to do. Yeah, Safety absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing how short that runway is when you're having to hit the brakes at the end, doing over <laughs> 200 kilometres an hour. <laughs> I can tell you, but um, a lot of fun. Anyway, this guy, Robbie Booth, amazing guy came out of his plane, wandered over, and he's got a limp. He had a wooden leg, and here he was racing this, flying the Sea Fury for starters, and then racing the NSX against a helicopter and a pit special. Whoa. While changing, it was manual, changing gear. It was absolutely amazing. Really, really clever. Well, interestingly enough, the NSX won the first race. Oh, right. And then I'll, I'll say bill reed cheated in the second race and won the okay won, won that disputed um, and disputed and then i think we all decided that uh, the pit special needed to <laughs> actually feel special so okay i don't know how that worked out but it was no. yeah what each yeah what, yeah okay. i think it was quite that level actually so that there was no yeah. true winner at the end of it we were all winners good yeah good because those nsx's they're worth quite a lot of money now aren't they they're, they're a beautiful car yeah they oh, really were oh, Eaton Senna had a lot of uh, involvement in the design and development of it and uh, and in those days also we were lucky enough to have the uh, F1 car that Eaton Senna won his oh, wow. um, world uh, championship and come through and so right. that was in the showroom for a while wow. and, and again uh, with Honda one of my key moments was um, going to Twin Ring Matigi in Japan uh-huh. and driving a new NSX on the 
race course over there and Twin Ring, Twin Ring Matigi had only just opened at that point in time. So really privileged to get some real special ah. times behind so the wheel. So you some fresh rubber, some of the first marks yep. on that track in an NSS. Yeah. However, it was with caution because the day before the press journalist had been there and one of them had written one off and put it into a wall so we were under pretty strict <laughs> controls especially these dealers from new zealand you got to watch them <laughs> you want us to send you some nsx's <laughs> yeah, that's right wow so actually talking of aircraft there a few yep. minutes ago because you've had some interesting part exchanges yeah. over the time haven't well, you Absolutely. What do they tell say? Everything's that. for sale and we trade anything. So um, tell us what you've traded over the years. Well, over the years, it's definitely been property. One of the what, what, very interesting trade was Briley shares that didn't work out very well oh, for right. us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and an aircraft. Because we had uh, we had a um, our commercial showroom, uh, our commercial sales person at the time, um, he he was a, a pilot as well, and so oh, right. needed to visit farms and remote areas, and sort of clearly got it past the goalie that it was a good idea to have an aircraft. Um, and that his he was Bob Huggins, um, and uh, he piloted this and and used it uh, around the area until such a time that uh, it was oh well we need to sell it. So how are we going to sell it? And uh, there's actually a photo of it on Trafalgar Street now. He landed that plane in Neil Park, just around the corner here, and then taxied it down Trafalgar Street. He taxied it down, down Trafalgar, Trafalgar Street. Street, turned into Halifax Street, where Countdown Supermarket when, when was is. was this? That what would have it? been in the 70s. In the 70s. <laughs> and, um, I can't yeah. get a parking place where we yep. played on Trafalgar Street. That's, That's right. Graceful. Yep. So, yeah. So... Taxied it, and thankfully had the traffic police helping guide it down, parked it on the yard until it was sold. Parked so, it on the yard? Yep, and sold Brilliant. it off the yard, and then, actually, I don't know, clearly he took it off and, and, and probably taxied it down to Neil Park and took off again. So, and so how do you assess the second-hand value when you're doing trade-ins of, of planes? Sort of, well, you, back then, I would think it was a, you'd ring a friend, wouldn't you, yeah, or something well, yeah, like that, and and figure something out. It's nowhere near the matrix that it is today that you've got no. such a, a good guidance on, on what true values of vehicles yeah. are and things like that. It would have been just a, oh, mate, I, oh, I reckon you'd get that for that, wouldn't you? <laughs> hey? Surely that's shiny. That's got to be worth that. Cheap and and people wanting to come in for a test yeah, flight. Well, yeah, and, yeah. I, I suppose you wouldn't get so many tire kickers, would you? No, you probably hey. wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been quite a draw for your yeah, uh, well, showrooms to say. Yes, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we've got the hatchback, the station wagon, and, all the aircraft. And well, hey, we're getting. Let's face it, the next. Um, area is probably drone flight yes. um, and autonomous That's drones true. for transport. So we were probably quite ahead of ourselves when <laughs> we were yes, thinking of were. that. You were, and actually, let's let's get on to talking about the future of motoring yep. and stuff, and what companies like Toyota and others are, are doing in that field. I mean, how how do you see the changes going with electrification or oh. hydrogen or? autonomous cars yep well if you if you think on toyota and i'm really blessed to be um really in there with them in this and and they're a great company that's engaged in looking 
at the future. I mean, mm. we're, the last the last 15 years I've been around the table with them looking at where we go and how we plan things, looking at the roadmaps to, to what change is coming. And even in that, we never even guessed in our wildest dreams that electrification would come as quickly as it has. Right, um, okay. and, and it's really it's really hit many manufacturers um, and, and hit them unaware. Toyota, thankfully, has been pushing hybrid for basically since the 80s. Seeing oh, right, that it, far back. Yeah, seeing it okay. that, hey, that we need to do something better and we need to be focused better on this. We need to be looking at it. And, and Toyota, for a long time now, has really changed their focus from the ICE motor vehicle yep. to mobility solutions. Okay. And, and those mobility solutions being a blended mix of of um, power and right. and energy, be it hydrogen, be it a full electrification, yep. or be it a hybrid thing. Yeah. They they Toyota firmly believe that it has to be a blend. It's not going to be one thing. Oh, that's interesting. So they're yeah. not sort of saying it's definitely going to because you get some manufacturers saying we're going all electric across our battery yeah. powered across EVs across what, our, yeah. and other. But Toyota are playing well. To- yeah, Toyota well. are focused on reducing the carbon. Okay. And, and that's any where can, that any way you can, and you yep. can do that by producing very efficient ICE vehicles, okay, and yep. and having them run with a hybrid electrification, which is yeah. then gives, especially for New Zealand. If you think of our environment in New Zealand, we've yeah. we've we're very diverse. We 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 have a range like in Nelson here. We're sheltered beautifully by the the ranges in the yep. south yeah, and yeah. east and west, and so everywhere you go, you go over a hill here. So whatever you see as a range for a, a full BEV or battery electric vehicle yep. is reduced immediately when you go out of any Checking flat area or hills, go. Yeah hit any of those hills and that you reduce the actual distance you can travel so Toyota sees that as a real issue for New Zealand and its environment and so they have plug-in electric hybrids so you at the moment you've got PHEV which in the Prius Prime is available overseas they've also had it in development with um, Toyota RAV for a long time and and those vehicles enable people to use full BEV benefits when they're around town in metro environments. So yep. you could live in Attawai, drive to town every day, yep. not use petrol at all, never be reliant on the uh, the petrol engine. But if for some reason you needed to travel instantly to Christchurch or mm. or go to Kaikoura or had, had to assist somebody in a hurry, you're not going to have to worry about, is my battery charged? Have I got yeah. enough range in that? Because you, you can, it will then automatically click over to a hybrid mode. Yep. Now, the Prius Prime that we have in store today that we can sell has a fuel efficiency rating of a combined rating of 1.9 litres per 100k. So okay. it basically hardly That's uses nothing. petrol. And and we have we have our admin team leader, Sandy, driving one of those at the moment, and her fuel bill on a monthly basis, travelling every day, using it every day, is $50 a month. Okay. So those good. sort of and that's and she and she doesn't use it totally on electric like she could because otherwise it would be zero 
a right, month yeah. than it would be all just electric because it comes back to convenience. So it's okay. and that's where Toyota see that blended. And hydrogen they see in the big vehicles. So hydrogen right, fuel okay. cells they see for buses, long haul transport, um, trains even, even planes. Um, Boeing has already started um, to explore the hydrogen power and hydrogen is is going to be there it's very similar to the fuel the ice engine as far as how quickly you can assess the energy and and utilize it yeah. but it, it's purely a a bev vehicle yeah. so yeah. it's a an the electric ice vehicle the, um, the ice internal engine an internal combustion, combustion engine, engine. Yeah, yeah. Like normal petrol or diesel yeah so that's yeah normal moment. petrol or diesel yeah so diesel the days are numbered on diesel. Yeah. Everybody admits that and totally realise it, even though you will get some people that will go out and go, actually, diesel's really good, it's very efficient, it's good torque and all the rest. Yes, but the diesel particulates yeah, kill it. So it's the dodgy yeah. stuff that are argumentative that yeah. diesel's gone. So Europe's already canned it. Europe's actually canned the ICE vehicle as well. So yes, internal combustion engine... And uh, all of those vehicles are, that's what's forcing manufacturers mm. to go, actually, this is the end of the horse or the end of the car. Yep. What's the next? What's the next? What's yep. the next thing? And I, personally, I think we actually can't overlook the autonomous drone aspect for the New Zealand environment and transport and easing of congestion. Because yep. you, can, you can go in the airwaves like the Jetsons much easier. Indeed without roading an infrastructure as long as it's got guidance and and yeah. and some security measures around it. So there's a big big issue on CAA about that, Civil Aviation course, Authority, yep, yep. to then go, well, who can drive these, who can use these, where can they be used? Because I'm sure the people on Rocks Road, while they put up with the trucks and traffic going around below them, yep. may not be so happy opening their curtains and seeing a whole bunch of um, drones no. flying past their windows. No, that's right. I mean, with so there's lots of things that you got to think about. Yeah, I mean, with the current aviation rules, I think there's very there's not many areas in Nelson where you can actually fly a drone no. because of the airport and right. other things. So, yeah, trying to get that as a general transport. No. Thing. And what about the whole um, autonomous aspect? Because that yep. makes people go, ooh, I'm not sure. I, I, do I trust a computer? Do yeah. I? But one of the big things, of course, and we're very interested in this show, is is road safety and how yes. do you get that death toll down? How do you get yep. the accidents that has such a horrific impact on families and all sorts of things? So we want to improve yep. that road safety but we don't want our complete yeah. autonomy no. taken away no and and all the man manufacturers are working on the autonomous side of things of it where toyota are sitting on it is that they're working on the guardian angel aspect of okay it. so what that means is we still want you to have the enjoyment of driving we still want you to have the the ability to drive and that but yep. we want you to have the protection of a guardian angel that oh, will okay. go, hang on, Stephen, you shouldn't be doing that speed. Yeah. Actually, you're well, weaving again. over the road. Yep. And so there's already a lot of that information in the cars that you see now. You may have heard people go, my car told me it was time to stop and have a cup of coffee. The cup of yep. coffee came up on the dash the other day. And, and that's because you start weaving all over the road or or accelerating and decelerating and becoming erratic in your driving and your car will tell you, hey, Tony, you need to 
pull over and have a rest. Might be because my teenage is learning to drive. Well, it could, it, yeah, but it could be that. that's probably a good time to so, pull over and stop and have a yeah, coffee anyway. And, and with the safety sense side of things, with radar, cruise control, yeah. um, lane keep assist, lane departure alert, and, and all of these blind spot monitoring things are all things that Toyota see as that guardian angel okay. that will say, hey, Stephen, don't pull out there, there's something there. Yeah. Or be warned that there's somebody something approaching so yeah. and and that will be like in the backing out of car parks and that it will give side alert to let you know that something's coming f- from either side it's when you ignore those alerts that obviously yeah. Yeah, yeah. you still have control so that's where toyota see in it okay. but they also see it being a blend and and obviously when autonomous motoring can work then absolutely it will be fine but they still believe it's a long way off off. and and it's probably more that this is an autonomous environment so maybe you might have central wellington will be autonomous vehicles only Ah, it's when you mix autonomous with tony then (laughs) then you get problems because autonomous doesn't know what tony's going to do yeah um, and sometimes Tony doesn't know what Tony's going to do type thing. So yep. those are those are the areas that you need to consider when when thinking of how do you do fully autonomous. And yeah. the best way to do it is by create it in its own environment. That's when you can see those road, road trains, for example, being bumper to bumper on oh, a motorway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they're in their own lane, which is their own autonomous yeah. lane, and no one ever goes there. So yeah. basically by, like create, creating individual trains in an environment that is safe for them and not yeah. interfering with normal driving characteristics yeah but that that means a yes a huge change on the sort of roading infrastructure that's right and all yes, sorts of yeah, stuff to yeah. work out but no it's it's in really interesting times in terms of pilots on that i think for when that gets going i mean there's 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 all sorts of challenges that the government has i guess because they're obviously bringing in that um uh ev sort of fee-based yes, stuff yep. to encourage the take up of that but like a lot of other governments around the world, the tricky thing is, well, what do we do with all the lorries, trucks, That's right. buses? That I mean, yeah. so that the big polluters there, but that's where the hydrogen yeah. hopefully comes. At the in moment, at it's point. the low-hanging fruit yeah. type yeah, yeah. thing. So the, the motor industry, the cars are by far the easiest to actually start defining rules for. Um, because you, if you were to start saying we don't want boats coming in that burn crude oil, yep. then we won't get any supply of anything. No, so It'd be even worse than it is for Christmas. That's now, that's exactly it? right. So so the motor vehicle light passenger car is the easiest target right, at yeah. this point of time. And and I take my hats off to the government for for actually pursuing this and 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 Toyota and the industry as a whole is well behind them on it. Where where it becomes difficult is in the speed that they're expecting everything to happen. And right. you've already you're already seeing some movements and it was meant to be January one for the um, fees for hybrid uh, and or non hybrid and the rebate for hybrid vehicles kick in January one and the fees for diesel or polluting cars would kick in at that time. That's now been moved to 
to April or March oh, 31st. Right. Okay. So that's actually really good because it does give the industry a, an opportunity because of the COVID impact and the impact course, on our yeah, yeah, yeah. impact on the distribution and yep. and the arrival of these vehicles and that it's certainly going to be a lot easier to 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 move slowly into that. Um, 2030s are a a big target for the industry um, so yeah. to pull those targets back to 2025 is even more significant toyota already this year has made huge growth in or should i say huge reductions in their carbon uh, emissions okay. across their range and and as of last month they recorded an average um, co2 emission of 149 grams per kilometer okay. per the vehicle range that they sold across and actually 42 percent of what they sold what we sold last month was hybrid right so 42 percent 42 percent wow okay. so and that includes um, vehicle range like Hilux and Hiace that don't okay. actually have a hybrid option in it. So yeah, I was going to ask about those because from the Zuzu point of view as well, because obviously yep. Kiwis love their Utes. They do and love that. Their was the real contentious thing in the government yes. policy about well, hang on, where's the hybrid or electric options? But presumably yeah, yeah. they're coming. They're coming, but not as quick as what the government would have liked to yeah. have. Uh, have thought at okay. the time um, certainly for Toyota um, hybrid Hilux is certainly in the plans okay. but it's a wee way off it's, it's, it's wee quite off. a and, and BEV for Hilux is even further off type right, thing yeah. so but this year we will see through Lexus a full BEV UX which is being released actually next mm. month um, and that's going to What's be the UX is that the, the UX is the baby Lexus so ah, it's a right, Lexus okay. UX it's a little SUV okay um, and uh, it's going to be launching at 79990 so it will actually be eligible for uh, the rebate yeah, yeah. of $8,260 from the government Yep. So it makes an $80,000 car only a little bit over seventy. So it actually puts it in a very affordable mix yeah. and very competitive to the normal ICE equivalent yeah, yeah. of that car or hybrid equivalent of that car. And that vehicle will have a 400k range in it. So the just, just get you to Christchurch. The, the, yeah, well, that's right. And, and a push. Not in winter, probably in summer. No, that's true. And you see, this is the other thing, is the effect on the battery performance in the cold temperatures is is quite significant. So there's a lot of research that Toyota are doing globally on solid-state batteries, which won't be as affected and will be able to be charged quicker and and won't have the depletion over the years um, that the normal nickel hydride or... um, lithium-ion batteries do at this point in time so there's there's lots of technology to come and so i sort of take my hats off to the government because if they didn't do the changes and didn't make the the um disciplines out there for the distributors to go actually we're not going to sell these here anymore and it will upset a lot of people and the public will go no i i still want my clydesdale sorry i need my clydesdale (laughs) i still need that Yeah, yeah but um, the reality is, is nothing would change no. if 
if we didn't actually make the change. There's a bit of incentivisation to do it. It is, and I sort of take my hat off to the government for doing that because otherwise there will be distributors. Toyota has been focused on it for a long time, but there will be other distributors out there where they'll go, ah, no, we're all good. We'll keep selling our dinosaurs and we'll be fine with that and we don't have a problem because we don't need to change. This is what the people want. Yeah. And, And this is more than that and it's much more significant when you get into the impact on our environment okay um and so toyota are a company that is very focused on improving understanding that their market has been built on an industry that has now been recognized as a big polluter and trying to make things better and going well how do we improve on this how do we make the world better and how do we do that through our products yeah and and there's a whole host of stuff that they're doing globally yeah because they're also doing stuff in the sort of real city urban environment and Mm. uh, mobility there and well one thing i want to ask you about was the the Toyota IQ, the little two-seater oh, yes, one, yes, because yeah. that looked like, well, that's a kind of car in the future. But you don't, it didn't seem like that took off. Was it because it was too small or not built for the New Zealand environment again kind of thing? I, or? I think it was a number of those factors, Stephen, and, and, but the, probably more to it, it might have been ahead of its time. Right. And, okay. and if you were to bring it out now and price point it now, okay. um, then it, it may very well have taken off. Because it was like a Much Didi two-seater yes, smart yeah. yep. city In car In Europe, they it? sell very well. Ah, right, okay. Um, okay. And the, uh, yeah, so there's lots of models like that that they do overseas that we don't see here. Um, yeah. But Toyota are fully in the mobility state space um they're also currently starting to build a place called the woven city so if you if you want to know anything about what toyota see as their future Uh if you google the woven city it's a it's a city that they are building completely from scratch their own city their own city to be a new technology new infrastructure new transportation new everything um, and uh, it's pretty exciting stuff. And this is what they see as how how the world can can live harmoniously right. together. And and the woven city comes from actually Toyota started as um, building um, looms for carpet and and material and ah, making material. Okay. So they were okay, they were very the much in the okay. weaving and and the creating of materials and right. um and then started into the motoring industry so going back to their heritage in a modern way right now that sounds uh, and obviously they'll be able to sort of pilot and trial their ideas and yes see yeah. how those go and stuff yeah. yeah and and their learnings from that and they're partnering with some pretty cool companies to to bring in the technology and that which is yeah. where we're where all the learnings come through and you see with their motor racing experience and that they have the gr brand now and the technology that they get from that because if you look at formula one the hybrid basically and formula one the electric side of things they've got ev and and the formula e and uh so lots of learnings from those end up around the the Halifax and Achilles Ave areas and parked in the garages and Nelson and and so it's really exciting stuff yeah. when you see that technology coming through. Yeah, and coming into your ordinary 
family yeah. hatchback and That's things right. that because uh, of course yeah I mean the Prius would have started were they the early 2000s that no, they really caught on were Pri- the Prius started in uh, 1988 88 yep so it, it is a technology wow. that's been around. So, wow, okay. so the first Prius again was was built never to be exported. Ah. And so this is where, sadly, for New Zealand, because we we got rid of all of our tariffs, got rid of our motor manufacturing here, and we became a importation dream. So the used vehicle right. market flourished, and the importers were able to buy anything from over in Japan and bring it out here so somebody talked and said a new Prius is $50,000 and well I can Google and find one in Japan for way less than that and bring it out so they were bringing the Series 1 Prius out which were never developed for anything other than the domestic market in Japan and were always intended to be scrapped at the end of it Right. right, so some of those vehicles found their way to New Zealand the name was not good and got tarnished because the okay. actual reliability and the drivability of that car was not what that it should intended. be. Okay. So the Series 2 and 3 Prius were much better vehicles and improved. And you, and you see it today with people picking up the BEV side of things and finding a cheap battery electric vehicle right. and going, man, this is good, I've, I want to battery i won't have to pay for fuel it's only going to cost me 10 grand to get into it wow that's fantastic i'll buy that and a year later the stories come back that now that's not working and it's going to cost me more than what i paid for the vehicle to get it going these things are rubbish why would you bother which actually tarnishes the whole concept and brand of what it is so those sort of examples don't help the industry to to move forward mm-hmm. but the learnings from those manufacturers through those cars mean that what they produce today is significantly better and and you drive a hybrid vehicle today like the new hybrid rav or the new hybrid highlander which is a big suv yep. which returns seven liters per 100k average fuel efficiency Wow. is just incredible and yeah. and it gives you the comfort the style and all the rest of it and and you really don't feel the car going in and out of electric mode or in and out mm-hmm. of petrol mode like the very early ones where they were quite harsh and very quick to yep. to identify that hey now I'm changed from petrol mode and I'm in electric mode oh gee I've got no power you drive a EV vehicle and if it's performing properly, its acceleration is blistering. And, yes, they and are they, quite entertaining. They are absolutely incredible vehicle, and uh, and so that's where people need to be focused. Yeah. Actually, the new technology, what fits for me, how's it going to work for making my lifestyle and improving my lifestyle, and 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 helping and assisting in our planet and how we're going to improve toyota work hugely behind the scenes on end of life what happens with the hybrid batteries when we do well we send we send our cell packs back to toyota that then send them away for recycling so everything is actually tracked and measured and done so it doesn't end up in the waste somewhere just disappearing yeah. it doesn't go to the islands to run a solar power house for a while until 
that doesn't work and then yeah. where does the battery go Toyota yeah. want to absolutely know where things go so we can improve our way of life rather than hinder yeah, that's it that's good so we've got probably got about three or four minutes left. All right. So no, no, that's good. Yeah. This is all really good discussion. Um, where so you, you say what was it? Forty-two percent of all the Toyotas at the moment have the. Um, no, no. Last or, month, or last month, last month, the total Toyota sales in New Zealand. Oh, so New this Zealand, is right. okay. this is Hilux, um, Land Cruiser, Hiace, which are all not hybrid. Oh, yeah. And you put them with all the Ravs and Yaris and Corolla and Highlander options that are, have a hybrid option in mm-hmm. it. You blend those two together, 42% of that volume was hybrid. hybrid so right. if you just take out the vehicles that weren't, didn't have a hybrid yeah. option, it's about 80% of all cars that have a hybrid option, wow. actually the people chose hybrid. So there's a real big sway, and we are even seeing it in the used vehicle market that we have. Okay, because I was going to ask you, in sort of three or five years' time, where yep. where do you see that percentage sitting, or where would... I would think it's a lot it? stronger. What, I'm, what I say to people today is if they're looking at buying a new car today and there's a hybrid option for them Mm -hmm. that's where they should go because in five years time if you're trading a car that had a hybrid option and you didn't buy the hybrid then people won't want it it's going to be harder to sell it will be much harder to sell unless it's a unique vehicle like dare i say it the supra or the gr yaris (laughs) and then i go well you know if you really want one of those they they become collectors and they're going to be good but it's that niche market won't won't be impacted by that because today there's still many people out there that love and enjoy their horses so the of horse course. has not disappeared no indeed and th- so i don't believe the car as we know it will disappear yeah but i think that there will be much better mobility solutions in the future that will be certainly in much greater numbers than what the yeah. ice motor car is of today yeah and like you said the big thing about the hybrid because i've i found myself i rented a a leaf when I was up in Auckland and we went up north yep. and I thought this is great this is oh, and then we went up this big hill and then the battery charge went really yep. down and then we yes. went up another big hill and I was going flipping out now I've got range anxiety where's my next charging point? And and that is the sad thing with it yeah yep. absolutely well there's not the infrastructure that we have and if everybody and I totally agree if everybody went out and bought a BEV car today we wouldn't have enough power to charge them so yeah. it's it's just not a practical solution right now but it's certainly coming, and yep. and let's get our infrastructure right, let's get our, our mechanisms right, and then look out where we go. Yeah, so the future, well, it's quite exciting to be at this point in change of history, Certainly I think, is. when uh, the future could tra- change quite dramatically over the next yep. 10 or so years about where we go with our personal Absolutely. Transport. One yeah. statement that we, we like to refer, refer to is we have a history we're proud of, Mm-hmm. A present in which we're committed to, and a future of which we're certain, yeah, and that no, that good. certainly couldn't be truer today. Yeah, no, that's good. That's great. Well, uh, Tony Bowater of the whole Bowater Motor Group, thank you uh, very much for your time. Uh, tonight, I was going to ask you all sorts of personal questions about you driving and stuff, but we covered so oh. many other interesting topics. We'll have to have you back for another show. Thank you on on all those. But thank you very much for coming in. Uh, thank you to NPD Fuels for sponsoring us as well. Who know what fuel they're going to be selling in the future? We'll we'll have to wait and see. 
Uh, you've been listening to Drive a Live show here on Fresh FM. As ever, take care out on the roads, wherever you're driving and whatever you're driving. Uh, but drive safely and all being well, we'll hear or you'll hear us in two weeks' time. Thank you for listening. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast available by funding the Access Media Project. Other great podcasts from Fresh FM are available through the accessmedia.nz app or our website freshfm.net.